Welcome to the RSP Cast. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. This week, we're going to be doing the 2023 RB class B through Z. B. John Robinson through Zach Evans. 52 running backs. I've already studied them. Um, have notes on each that I'm going to share with you today in a solo pod. If you're wondering about some of the other podcasts that I've done, you know, Feel It or Fuck It with Bob Harris, um, the podcast I do week, every other week with Lori and Felix, the weekly podcast Adam Harstead and I have been doing, we'll be back, you know, throughout the season, um, through the postseason and pre draft season doing podcasts throughout the year it may not be on as regular of a basis also the podcast with russ landy landy scott scout talk that'll still be going on as well just be a little bit less frequent because um i'm studying the tape right now and now with fantasy football season being over for redraft stuff the the articles that i do every week at football guys are no longer things that i have to do until june and I have time to, you know, to have the opportunity to make up time and make up time fast. So I thought it would be fun to do, you know, a B through Z podcast and call it B through Z rather than A through Z because I don't have any players with A in their first name. And always, you may always be missing something at this point because it's prior to the combine. So we're going to be looking at players and I'm going to be talking about things that I likely have questions about with each of these guys heading into the combine and the pre-draft process that becomes the the whole circus that it is that many of you enjoy some of you dread um i feel a little bit of both to be honest with you so let's get rolling let's start with Bijan robinson and you know listen while he's a capable zone runner i think he's entering the league at an optimal time for his skills because Gap running is back. Power, toss, counter. You're seeing a lot more of this, and it's become far more widespread because of the defenses that are in the NFL designed to stop the spread passing game. The gap running schemes are a good counter for that. Now, I'm interested to see if Robinson will continue to develop his zone game and how much he'll continue to work at it if he winds up on a team that runs a lot of gap-heavy concepts. Um, and then furthermore, if the league changes its philosophy during Robinson's career back to zone, if Robinson isn't you know, really up to snuff as a zone runner, will it alter his production value if he can't adjust quickly after years of gap running? Um, and I say this, I want you to understand that I think that Bijan Robinson is a competent zone runner, but I don't think he's nearly as good of a zone runner as he is a gap runner. And and if there's a switch mid-career, I wonder how that's going to work for him because right now he's been really a top athlete at every level. And so there's times in zone schemes where he tries to execute moves in scenarios that I think are outside his pay grade and he fails. Now, at the same time, this was also true of Reggie Bush, Saquon Barkley, and Jamal Charles. And that's pretty good company. Um, to me, though, the Saquon Barkley-Reggie Bush comparisons, that's kind of where I had him last year and the year before. So kind of those are the backs that he stylistically resembled in terms of how he moves, what he tries to do, where his strengths and flaws are. Um, not necessarily 
one-to-one as athletes. Obviously, Bush and Barkley are very different types of backs anyway, physically. But if Robinson proves that he's a real student of the game and not whatever the NFL draft media is going to puff piece to death between now and you know the beginning of the season, he has a chance, I think, from what I've seen on film, especially where he's improved, to show us echoes of what Frank Gore might have been with more top end speed. And that's a big ask. You know, it's a big ask to compare a player to what Frank Gore might have been. What Frank Gore without two ACL tears before he entered the league might have been. Because to me, that's, you know, as, as I've said often, Frank Gore is kind of like, you know, in college was basically Achilles before, you know, his heel got exposed to say. But, you know, again, even if Bijan Robinson is closer to the names mentioned in this segment about him um, than most prospects, that's still pretty awesome. I mean, he's he, he's still, you know, the fact that I'm even mentioning Bush or Barkley or Charles, that just tells you what Bijan Robinson could possibly be in this league. And, and I think with the gap schemes, he's going to get a chance to have an optimal fit early. Brad Roberts. Let's talk about Brad Roberts out of Navy. Some of you probably don't even know who he is, don't know if he's going to even be a viable prospect. Well, listen, he's on my list of 52. He plays fullback in an option attack, so he's closer to the line of scrimmage when he lines up. It gets him downhill about three to four steps earlier than a tailback. Still, I've seen him beat linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs who are tight to the box. Um, what I want to know is whether or not his press and cut skills will be intact when working from a deeper alignment? And really, how explosive is he? How explosive is he considering that a lot of the tape that we watch with him was so close to the line? Um, you kind of get You may see a player who looks quicker than he actually is. So that's my big question with Brad Roberts. Calvin Tyler Jr. Calvin Tyler Jr. Now, this is a back um, who reads leverage very well in the box um, to set up double teams and second level blocks. He also presses within a step of alignment's leverage to set up the cutback in the hole, and he adjusts his pacing well as he approaches the line of scrimmage. So these are all pretty mature things that you want to see from a runner, and he runs a lot of the things that you're going to see in the NFL right now, counter, power, and duo. Um, he doesn't really attempt cutbacks or bounces when the defense has these creases covered, and his primary blocks are inside. So again, a mature running back. And I believe he's at, he's at one of the all-star games that you're going to be seeing in the next few weeks here. Um, I think he's very good at taking what he can earn and not risk closing off the playbook. And he, he can address unplanned moments pretty well when he's working toward the line of scrimmage. But I think he can play it too safe. And in the NFL... Special players know when to take risk. And there are zone runs with Tyler's game where I think he should bounce or cut back when there's a clear and logical reason on film to show that he should. Um, and he doesn't. Instead of maybe attack, cutting back and attacking an unblocked defensive back who's downhill in the flat, he'll stay on path toward an unblocked linebacker or defensive end who has favorable leverage, and he ends up with a minimal gain. 
So Tyler is someone that has to kind of veer from the book a little more, and I'd like to see more some opportunities where he does that. So far, I haven't really seen that with him. I've seen him be a little bit too structured, and there are times that you need to rely, you need to know when you need to uh, make the cutback or the big play, or and sometimes I just think he's he plays it too safe. Cameron Peoples, Appalachian State. This is a 6'2", 220-pound runner. He's a one-cut downhill guy with power. Um, I think that if he were two inches taller and maybe could add 30 pounds in weight, he'd have more potential as an H-back because he'd project as a much smoother mover for that type of um, position at that size. Um, but for a running back, he's not especially flexible not especially mobile. Um, he lacks that hip mobility and explosive lateral agility that's common with NFL starters. And so right now I see him as a one-cut runner whose best gains come when he can accelerate downhill and make one move to avoid a defender at the end of the crease. So I'm wondering if there, if other teams are going to look at his tape and after they and look at his build and whether his build might be good enough to add a little weight and use him as a as a different player because there's some potential for him as a pass receiver too. Um, and I think that he would be better off at a different position if you're going to really go for trying to be at the NFL level. You know, because either you're competing with a bunch of guys in people's shoes here, a bunch of guys who just might be better fits athletically for the running back position just to make a roster, or would you rather... Or, or could you make a, you know, and I don't know if he's going to make a roster long-term. Whereas if the team sees something in him to become more at an H-back role, maybe he could do that. I, I don't know. I think he's probably destined for another league, to be honest with you. Um, but that's my big question is whether he can convert to a different position. Um, Charles McClellan of Cincinnati. You know, McClellan leads, reads leverage well. He spots penetration of a defender slanting inside when he approaches the line of scrimmage well. So he's good at being able to deal with off-script or early off-script situations. Um, he presses reasonably well with at least at least you know two steps from the defender. He can change his path pretty well with cutbacks and bounces, um, and he can transition um, downhill you know pretty quickly. And he knows how to hug blocks from pursuit coming from the outside. A lot of times, you know, this is something that Bijan Robinson had difficulty with early in his career is that when he would make a bounce or a cutback, he didn't hug the blockers on the side of where he's bouncing outside of or cutting back to. And instead, he was veering too far to the side where the pursuit was, and he was limiting his yardage potential on the field because he was in he was giving defenders extra space to be able to wrap him up before he could get through the crease and when you look at someone like Raheem Mostert who does a great job of hugging blocks you see that what happens is that 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 um, pursuit from the outside or the inside wherever it is opposite to where the blocks being hugged has more room to have to make up to catch the back who's heading through the crease McClellan hugs blocks really well um, I think more often than not, he can actually even press one step from his blocks and slide to the open cutback lane. He, he has good peripheral vision, spots a lot of um, pursuit angles in the open field, and has efficient solutions to avoid them. He's quick-footed. He has you know really sudden sticks. He bends around blocks well. 
I think he adjusts his footwork well um, to set up changes of direction against pursuit that's trying to arrive over the top to cut him off. Um, good jump cuts, transitions immediately downhill from jump cuts. Um, he can use his upper body to avoid reaches. Um, even some curvilinear bend um, come, you know, to, to change direction without slowing down. I think he accelerates easily and pulls away from box defenders. Um, the biggest question I have with him Besides the fact that he's, you know, he's more of a scat back. He's a smaller guy that you're going to want to use on plays where you can get him in the space as quickly as possible or that the defense is spread out and therefore using him in the middle of the field, you're actually simulating more space type of runs rather than heavy box runs. But his success, I think, and his methodology for blocking defenders is right now is just all over the place. You know, when you watch a stand-up game and pass protection, I think there's upside to mine if he just embraces that the, the, the same techniques that he uses against safeties right now is very strong, but when he's facing defenders larger than a little larger than him to a whole lot larger than him, his technique completely breaks down and then he's a completely opposite type of player in in the in the blocking game. So if he can fix that, you know, he has a chance to, to be able to contribute for a team. Now, Chase Brown, I think he's a mature decision maker. He makes efficient, effective pressure cuts um, and avoids pursuit. But you'd like to see him identify penetration in the backfield one or two steps earlier or at least make his movements earlier than when he does. You know, and and this is something that you know, he's got to be a little bit of a quicker processor for the NFL game. I think he's a mature decision maker for the college game. He takes what the defense gives him. He attacks with conviction when the crease is filled. He can earn some yards through contact. Um, but there are details that, you know, I don't know if Chase Brown is on the level that some people see him. You know, I'd like to see him do a better job on gap plays or pin and pull sweeps where he presses the back shoulder of the backside puller. It's important to do that because if you get too far ahead of that that puller, you're tipping off to the defense where you want to go, and it kind of hems you in in terms of the options that you might have. Because if you wait behind the backside puller, you're allowing your blocks to develop enough that you can then manipulate at the point, uh, you know, kind of more at the line of scrimmage as you get close to it, and have more options to go one way or the other. And I think that he hems himself in a little bit because of the fact that he doesn't press that backside puller as well. And he has a really odd reaction to pursuit that comes fast. It's arriving fast and it's unblocked. And that's to back away from it, either by completely turning his back into the oncoming defender um, or turning his... Um, or turning his back into the contact. I've literally seen him turn his back on a pass play where he caught a throw out. There's a defender coming downhill fast. Instead of dropping his pads or making a move to try and avoid him, he literally turned his back on the oncoming defender and ran backwards. I've never seen a back run backwards towards contact like that. Maybe after they've been contacted, but not two, three, four yards before, um, you know, and 
it may not be how I perceive it, but when you see something like this, and it appears the intensity of the pursuit and the angle leads to this as an instinctive reaction that's counterproductive, you have to wonder if, you know, there's going to be more amateur thoughts that he appear that he fears contact. I don't think he fears contact. He's played in the Big Ten for a long time. If you're a good high school running back, you don't fear contact. But I think he just has some awkward instinctive reactions or reactions that have become instinctive and he has to unlearn them because they're counterproductive. Um, you know, I think his ability to transition around the corner is good, but has some lapses where maybe it's not quite good enough. Um, especially when he's moving fast to the short edge of a perimeter play. It, you know, you want to see a back make a transition from a, a boundary approach to a downhill approach like that within maybe two gather steps to be able to, to get downhill. And he needs three to get around a corner like that. Um, so maybe not quite as good there as you want to see. And, you know, so when I see him and I look at his size and I see how he plays, I don't see an Austin Eckler type of player. Maybe Austin Eckler, if he like blows it out of the box and, and has a level of development that is rare from this stage forward. Um, but I do think that he can play in the NFL. I just don't necessarily see him as a starter um, at this point. I, you know, I'm going to watch more, but uh, you, you know, it's unlikely for that to change. Ches Malusi, I think I'm pronouncing that right, out of Wisconsin. You know, I want to know how good his acceleration and speed is. Can he get? And I want to see if he can get better at identifying. Um, Interior penetration, you know, penetration from linebackers and defensive tackles inside, you know, slants inside as he's taking the exchange. Can he be more efficient with it? Because I think overall he's a good cutback runner with mobility in his lower half who works tight creases. He has contact balance and power. He has good. I think his acceleration is pretty good, but I have questions about how good his acceleration and speed is. Is this a back? The, the, the best way I would add this up is to say, is he is he a contributor, a reserve, or a, or maybe even a surprisingly good contributor who could be a lead back? Like right now, this is a guy who backed up Travis Etienne at Clemson and then transferred to Wisconsin, split time with Braylon Allen, I believe, earlier in his career than tore his ACL last year. Um and then has come back this year. Does he have starter level acceleration at least? If he has that, he might have a shot at being a contributor in the NFL at a level that might be better than people expected. Um, if not, then I think you know he has a chance to be on a roster or be on several rosters in the NFL over time. And with the right fit and the right scenario, he might be able to produce when called upon. One of my favorite players is Christopher Brooks. He's been one of my favorite players to watch this year, last year, past couple of years. He's out of Cal and then transferred to BYU this past year. Um, he led, I think he played at the Hula Bowl this year and he was he was one of the leading rushers. Um, you know, I think he was a leading rusher in the game. Looked pretty good according to some people I talked to. Some people I talked to, they said, well, you weren't going to see 
much out of him because he's not a high burst type of player in terms of like um, an explosive big play type of guy. There's a to me there's a Samaje Pirine vibe about him, and all the good things that Pirine does in terms of his um, strength, contact balance, good movement, um, decent acceleration but not top end speed catches the ball well so the big question is the burst if christopher brooks has better burst than samaj p ryan at at his size i think he's about i don't remember exactly i think he's 225 230 maybe 235 he's somewhere in that 220 i think he's in that 225 235 range how good that burst is is going to tell you a lot because if he has starter level burst i would keep an eye on christopher brooks um, i think this is someone who could really surprise and and could wind up being fairly high on my board compared to most running most draft people who who are rating running backs these days chris rodriguez of kentucky now he's a runner that i think could benefit from the nfl's recent adjustment to gap schemes and the way tyler algier benefited from it He's an effective gap runner who understands how to set up pulling blocks. He has good presses to the front and backside shoulder before bouncing or cutting back to the intended crease of the play design, and he spots the rare and early cutback opportunity to run um, you know, on plays like counter where you don't normally cut plays back. Um, I think he understands how to hug his blockers and his pullers downhill, especially on you know, power, sweep, um, when he runs zone plays, he presses He presses pretty well when it comes to knowing where to press at the double team, when to make the efficient cutback, um, does that well. He presses creases deep enough, one to two steps, before he makes his move, and I think he spots penetration well during the exchange um, to work away from leverage advantages. Um, but there are some scenarios where I think he can be more efficient when it comes to penetration. And he's not an explosive runner, a tremendously explosive runner by starter standards. So he's going to have to maximize his efficiency to make plays. Think Jordan Howard. He was a very efficient and powerful running back. Spencer Ware is a guy he reminds, Rodriguez reminds me a little of, but without that upper echelon power. And that's important to know because Rodriguez, Rodriguez is a fleet-footed back with hip mobility and short area quickness, um, but without that power. So in order to really maybe play at a level that Spencer Ware once did, you know, we're going to have to see whether he can um, break tackle. You know, he's not going to break tackles and generate a push at an elite level, but at a good enough level. Can he be efficient? Because if he can be efficient, the more efficient he is, the 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 better off he's likely to be at, you know towards realizing that Jordan Howard Spencer Ware type of thing Christian Beale Smith listen I rarely hear anyone talking about him and he is he split time with Ken Walker at Wake Forest and there's some good reasons on film to suggest why they had that split I think he's one of the most creative runners in this class if he can athletically do what he's done in the ACC and the limited time he was healthy in the SEC, he was with, uh, he's been in um, South Carolina this year, but he played through a foot injury and that limited him a fair bit. Um, 
but if he can show what he's shown in college a little bit, I think there's some LaShawn McCoy to this guy's game. I want to see how explosive he is in workouts because is he the LaShawn McCoy starter kit that Eno Benjamin is, or is he more than that? Um, his style's predicated a lot on an explosion, dynamic movement, and creativity. So, you know, if we can see how explosive he is in workouts and that's and he's healthy enough to show that, he could be intriguing. I think he's one of the more intriguing backs in this class that people aren't talking about, and I can't wait to see what he does in camp. There's a kind of a boom bust thing to his game, but but I'm you know, I'm interested in guys like that. Daneric Prince out of Tulsa. You know, I'm probably going to be watching a lot more film to look for him to drop his hips to see if he can come to a sudden stop after making a dynamic movement away from a defender because I want to see if he can layer moves or come to sudden stops or, or redirect his path or whether he even has the potential to do so. This is going to be really helpful to his evaluation. Another thing that I have questions about, though, is at 214 pounds, he's a reasonably well-built back. And he can be physical, but he's kind of prone to shelling up between the tackles. And that's meaning that he drops his pads and slows down when he feels pursuit arriving from the backside or in his periphery. And you'd want to see him accelerate and avoid some of that contact and make it through the crease. But he sees a flash, and it's almost like he kind of holes up and does that Jimmy Garoppolo fetal standing fetal position thing, except Prince is moving a little bit more. You know, again, some some players have these odd reactions that they're not afraid. It just looks like they are because of the fact that they're they're just react overreacting to certain stimuli that makes it look awkward. And I think Prince has some of that. And I'm and I want to see more to confirm it. Sean Fenwick out of Oregon State. Now he was a transfer from South Carolina, um, and if there was a back in this class who could represent the finished product, the type of back I think Fenwick could resemble, Leonard Fournette might be that guy. Fenwick's well-built, he's physical, he has receiving skills, but I just don't know if he's explosive, even on the level that Fournette was explosive. And I just don't think I can put him too close to Fournette or in that neighborhood just yet. But maybe, you know, on the outskirts of the zip code. I'm just looking forward to find out how explosive Fenwick really is. Um, because from what I've seen on tape, it's not quite there. But I think that, but I think it's close enough that it's worth, you know, asking the question. Deuce Vaughn. Now listen, he's not Christian McCaffrey. But, and it's a big but, there are things that Vaughn does that he has in common with the same in the same way that I would have compared Darren Sproles and Marshawn Lynch, which I had done with my buddy um, Eric Stoner back in the day when we were watching some film of some players and we got onto a tangent about Darren Sproles and Marshawn Lynch and how they moved very similarly. It's just that Sproles was a miniature version of Lynch. Whereas I think Deuce Vaughn is kind of a miniature version of Christian McCaffrey in the sense that Vaughn understands how to set up gap locking on runs inside and outside the box. And like McCaffrey, he's comfortable and decisive in high traffic areas. He sets up creases patiently. He weaves through tight lanes as if they're wide lanes. And that's a special skill 
that McCaffrey and Vaughn share. I think he adjusts his footwork well to set up creases and avoid penetration behind the line. He's quick enough to pick and slide his way around traffic with dynamic moves like McCaffrey does, jump cuts, jump stops, jukes. And he can do these dynamic movements with a dynamic range. You know, he can cut across multiple gaps. Um, and But he can also be efficient. He's not someone that over moves, you know, moves too far one direction or another like Kenyon Drake used to do. Um, so you don't see this very often. When you have a back who leans on these dynamic movements, can they be efficient with them? Rare to see. And Deuce Vaughn has that. He changes paces well in the open field to set up blocks. He's got the good two-step juke. He couples it with head fakes. He combines all moves together pretty effectively. And he really understands how to, to pair them and use them in combination well. He has the stick-jump cut combo. The stick is like a violent um, extension of your leg to the ground in one direction. And he can use that stick and then jump cut in a way that I've seen Christian McCaffrey and Barry Sanders do against penetration in the backfield. Um, you know, and that's something that's another thing. Curvy linear movement, he's got that. Um, you know, he transitions well downhill. There's just a lot of things that I like about him. It's just that he's small. I mean, he's five seven in the one hundred and eighty pound range. You know, it'll be interesting to see what his weight will be at the combine. You know, he stalemates linebackers in the hole right now when he has momentum downhill. He drops his pads directly into flat-footed linebackers, and he can he can get a small push from them before the cavalry arrives in either direction, whether it's the defense getting the advantage of a push or whether it's his offensive lineman. He can keep his feet until that moment, and and then we'll see what happens with, with the help of other players. Um, and he certainly can get downhill when he has a runway to have a direct collision with a safety. The big question is, can he do this in the NFL often enough to become something more than a specialist or a gadget role player in an offense? Um, you know, is he a legitimate offensive contributor? I think the skills are there, yes. Is the athletic ability enough? That's the big question. You know, and I'm interested to see how he shows up at the combine because that may give us a, one more layer that tips it in that direction that he's more than a uh, than than a contributor. He might be a, a main eventer. You know, he certainly has the skills for it. Devin A Chain. Now you could ask the same questions about Vaughn as you do with A Chain, who's about 10 pounds heavier, but also about two inches taller than than Vaughn. A-Chain's a straight-line runner. I think he's got some bend and cutting ability. I think he thrives off quickness and speed, and he finishes with good pad level, and he works through reaches. He gets skinny through creases. On first impression, you know, he really didn't appear to me as really either powerful or creative, despite the athletic gifts. But as I got deeper into his tape, it became clear to me that A-Chain's got enough power to generate yards after contact between the tackles because of the lower body strength, the burst, the pad level, the effort that he makes. Um, and I began to see a little more creativity from him. He can pair three to four moves in succession. He can maximize gains um, within the scope of the play design well. 
He reminds me a lot of former 49ers back and former Oregon star Michael James, who, who really had brief flashes in San Francisco, but it was during an era where they weren't spreading the field much. Chip Kelly was in Oregon. He wasn't in Philadelphia. They weren't, the offense, NFL wasn't spreading the field as much. So you wonder if a guy like James would be, have been more productive in today's game. And I think the answer is yes, I think so. But still have questions about whether that production would be along the lines of a committee option, like one we saw from Kenneth Gainwell so far, or something more substantial from a statistical standpoint. You know, that's the question I have for A-Chain. Is he what we think LaMichael James could be, or is he what more what Kenny Gainwell is at least up until, you know, the end of the season where he had a big game. Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Now he's, you know, ball security and pass pro are his big issues. I also have questions about his decisions with cutbacks when sticking with the play design of the run. Um, you know, when the play design of the run is more logical. Sometimes he should stick to, to it because it looks like it's going to play out right and he go, goes for cutbacks he shouldn't. I don't think he's a very dynamic runner but he can bend his path well to manipulate pursuit and open space. For me, he's a roster candidate, but not necessarily a contributor candidate at this time. I think of Patrick Taylor of the Packers as an example. Maybe he can get to Craig Reynolds' level where they they got surprised by Reynolds. He was able to, you know, you put him in and he did some things. You know, he would need a complete, I think McBride would need a complete developmental spurt at a very rare late stage. For an athlete to become someone like Zamir White, but you know that's where he is right now. And really, White right now is a reserve because of Josh Jacobs. Um, but still, Dwayne McBride, you know, he's a is he a roster candidate? That's kind of the big question for me there. Elijah Dotson out of Northern Colorado, formerly Sacramento State. You know, I think he's disciplined. He has moments of great agility. Um, I'm kind of leaning toward good but not great feet for his size um, or not great feet for the NFL game. I just want to see how agile and quick he is in the short area of the field. I think he's tough for his size. I think he has potential to become a versatile option if there's athletic skills that stand out um, for the NFL game. You know, um, That's the thing. If he has real standout skills in certain ways athletically, that may help him stand out a little bit more in the NFL. Um, you know, can he add more muscle to his frame? If he, I don't know if he can. That's a big question. Um, if he can, I think he could become a viable contributor off the bench. He's a good receiver. He's rugged for his size. Just not sure he's lead back rugged for the NFL. Now, UMass has a rugged back by the name of Ellis Merriweather. He's, you know, capable on gap plays. He has receiving skills. Um, you know, I've watched more tape from 2021 than 2022 because Merriweather was playing through an injury last year. Um, still, I just don't think he has the explosive athletic ability to stay on an NFL roster. Um, he need, he's going to need excellent workouts to lead me back to his tape to see if I missed details that explain the difference. And, you know, if you're interested in details like what I've shared and a lot more, listen, Go get the RSP. The pre-draft, post-draft is going to be available April. The pre-draft will be available April 1st, the post-draft a week after the NFL draft. But you can purchase it now as a pre-order, like I've been doing 
pretty much for over a decade. And the RSP has been around since 2006. Um, and a lot of you have waited or prefer to wait until the discount period for the early bird is over. And it's over. So if you want to pay your $21.95 and know you're going to get emailed for when it's ready for download, um, you know, you can go to mattwaldman.com and do that. Um, you know, like anyone who's scouting talent, listen, I have my misses, I have my lessons learned, but there aren't many in this industry who can say some of the things that I'm going to tell you. That my draft guide's among the two most purchased for cross-checking resources by NFL scouts, according to recruiting directors like SMU's Alex Brown, who meets with personnel evaluators weekly as a part of his job, and he sees what they're reading, what their resources are, talks to them about what their resources are. And he tells me this, he's been telling me this for a few years now and he's been telling it to me before he got to SMU when he was you know he was at other stops um RSP is entering its 18th year of publication so just as much as you know someone could list my 18 years worth of misses well my 18 years worth of misses has allowed me to continue to refine what I do to get better and better and better and it's because my evaluation process when i started in this differed from the nfl it's rooted in best practices for evaluating performance um, it's part of a certification process that my cc c-suite back in the day sent me to to attain as an operations and quality director and you know according to a high level consultant who has been a subscriber to the rsp since 2007 and has you know the training that you would expect in terms of, you know, playing experience, scouting, analytics at the highest levels of pro football. He's, he told me back then, back in 2011, the RSP's process was light years ahead of the NFL in terms of process, you know, not in terms of knowledge, in terms of process. And that was 12 years ago. And I've gotten better with the knowledge end because the process is about t helping you learn what you need to know and and as long as you're rigorous about maintaining that process you keep adding details and figuring out which details are important and which ones aren't as important how to weigh them what to have in there these are things i'm constantly looking at and working through and testing out before i implement them now this process is at the same time has allowed me to continuously learn at a level that i've been firm on with higher grades on players that then you know a lot of teams and media guys like patrick mahomes lamar jackson nick chubb isaiah pacheco aj brown chris Olave, justin jefferson cooper cup travis kelsey dalvin cook aaron jones it's also allowed me to remain firm on lower grades on players than the hurt guys like zach wilson baker mayfield clyde edwards alaire andre williams Niall Davis, Drew Locke, Paxton Lynch, Kenny Galladay. You know, a lot of these guys are NFL caliber talents. But, you know, when we start talking about top five overall or top back in the class or, you know, you know, game-changing talents, you know, these are guys that I often said, no, we're not there. You know, they could become decent, but here are the things that are in their way. Here are the things that they have to learn. Here are the things that may derail them. And I think that may be keep holding them back. So, you know, listen, I've done consulting uh, um, of quarterbacks in the past. Um, I've done it recently with a nationally known quarterback coach. I've provided scouting reports on, 
you, you know, on a client for a coach who sought me out and, and, you know, along with a very skilled YouTube quarterback analyst who played in the league. I think you know who I'm talking about. And, um, you know, he met with his client and watched the film with his player. And he shared this with me. He said, for me, it's all about perspective and seeing that the player thinks their perspective is on how they played when we're reviewing the film. And you have a bank of athletes that you've worked with. It's all helpful to hear, you know, opinions to reinforce strategies and training. It's actually impressive how accurate you were on certain statements in terms of what the quarterback, what you thought what the quarterback was seeing. And this quarterback went on to tell me that some of the things that I had written to this coach in writing came out of the player's mouth nearly word for word as he was describing his thought process. It was eerie. That's what he said. Well, that player that we're talking about is Brock Purdy, who was my sixth-ranked quarterback in this class above players like Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. So, listen, you get the most comprehensive look at skill positions at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end running back it's available to the general public you get to download it on april 1st in a pdf it's fully bookmarked contains information that my subscribers have leaned on as and seen that have learned that's evergreen content for at least maybe not evergreen but three four sometimes five years and can be even more valuable than the post draft that's usually in um, high demand so if you want to learn more about the rsp Go to mattwaldman.com or mattwaldmanrsp.com. I have videos that show you, you know, give you a tour of what you get. And most people, when they get it, they write me back and say they're shocked at how good, how much content and how much quality content they get, how good it is, how helpful it's been to them, how they would have paid twice as much, how they wish they hadn't waited three years to get it, things like that. So, you know, you can go to mountwaldman.com and find the RSP there. Let's get back to some of these players. One of the guys that's most intriguing in this class to me is Eric Gray with Oklahoma, formerly at Tennessee. Gray's gotten stronger. I think he can generate a push against box defenders after contact now. He didn't used to do that. He's learned to keep his head up when he drops his pads, so that allows him to maintain contact balance. He's a more patient runner. Um, who sets up double teams and pulling blockers with more expertise than he did to begin his career. And he's even developed a punch when he rolls through his and rolls through his hips as a pass protector so he can generate a little bit of pop against box defenders and hold up a, a, a little better. But after watching a lot of games with Gray, I still have questions about his acceleration and speed. He's quick, but is he able to reach his top speed and sustain a top speed at a level that's starter caliber for the NFL. And I don't really have clarity on that right now. If I were to lean on in one direction, it would be on the side of doubt. But I th And I think he can be a contributor, um, but more as a reserve than a lead option or a starter. So the combine's going to help me kind of direct what I'm seeing on tape with what I'm seeing, you know, in terms of the results there and see if I can marry them up and see if situationally I can get a little bit more clarity about where his speed works and where it doesn't. Evan Hull, um, he's at Northwestern. He's one of the least, he's at one of at least two backs that I think have some Jeff Wilson vibes to their games. He has some refined movement skills. He disguises his intentions effectively. And I bet he's going to have NFL caliber explosion when tested, even if it's not clearly starter level. It might be. It might be. 
I think he's a better zone runner than gap runner. So fit and acclimation are the big questions. Can he approach his pullers with greater maturity in the gap game? That's going to be important to know. Um, where he lands is probably going to determine where he's appreciated because if he's on his own team, he might be a little more appreciated. If he's struggling a little bit with certain details and gap um, blocking in a gap-oriented team, he might get passed around the league a little bit. And if you get passed around early enough, you get kind of seen as a labeled a, as a special teams guy, a reserve guy, and it's harder to get your chances. George Halani out of Boise State's a scat back. I think he has just enough speed to flip the field. He makes the effort as a blocker. I think he can um, refine blocking in his game um, so he can make a run as a special teams role. Um, and he'll have to get a little more comfortable with zone runs if he makes it up to a zone team so he's not as tentative. Um, he does have some contact balance and decent hands as an outlet receiver. Um, if he lands on a gap-heavy team, I think he has a chance to make the roster. Hassan Hall out of Georgia Tech, former Louisville Reserve, who is the other back with Jeff Wilson vibes. He's about 200 pounds. If he can gain about 10 pounds of muscle, listen, this was a versatile career reserve at Louisville who earned a lot more time at Georgia Tech last year. I liked his patience. He's, he has strengths both in the gap and zone schemes. He's got good contact balance for his weight, and he holds up against linebackers and can carry larger box defenders on his back. So there's some compelling skills there to develop into a contributor in an offense, maybe even along the lines of a substitute starter like Wilson was or along the lines of Darnus Johnson. Um, how explosive he is will actually help because I've seen signs of decent initial acceleration and even reacceleration, which is very important for starting running backs to have that reacceleration. And Hall's shown a little bit of that. So he's an intriguing guy. Want to see what his workouts look like. UCF has a back who transferred out of Northwestern by the name of Isaiah Bowser. He's about 225 pounds. He's well built. He's decisive. Um, he couldn't stay healthy other than one season during his college career. He has some good short area quickness though. He moves pretty well in terms of different types of um, footwork patterns, different types of ability to bend, um, bend and move. His acceleration, I think, is good enough, but I'd like to see additional metric confirmation on that. And I'd love to see his medicals just to know the nature of his inju injuries because I wonder if they're chronic or not. Um, Israel, Aban, Israel Abanikanda out of Pitt. Now, he has some lapses with reading leverage of his pullers. Um, or he'll decide to cut back a step too soon and miss opportunities to access the correct shoulder of his lead blocker when he's running in gap schemes. So that's something that I have questions about whether he can fix that pretty quickly. Um, I think he had good enough burst for the college game. I'm just looking forward to seeing if his timed acceleration is slower than what's expected. Um, from what I've seen, he's not going to beat unblocked linebackers and who have backside pursuit um, to the boundary. Even on a design play, he gets beat. He, he gets run down. If a safety is close enough to the line or takes a bad angle, Abinaconda can beat the safety to the near sideline, not the boundary. But the far side, he gets run down. So questions about the explosion there. Jameer Gibbs. Listen, he spots cutback opportunities early in a zone play inside. Um, you know, or the, or the cutback on a wide zone play. I think he... He can play, hang on the play side read a, a little longer than he should with 
or he he needs to hang on the play side a little longer with inside zone plays rather than trying to cut them back. Um, he is very confident in his quickness, um, and but but I think um, he isn't confident enough to press it as deeply as he should. Let's put it that way. He's um he should press his blocks maybe one to two steps more than he does, and I think he could set up bigger gains. Um, you know, so, and this is something I saw at Georgia Tech. I saw it at Alabama. He just tries for the cutback too soon, and he leaves gains on the field that I think sticking to the design would have earned him. Um, you know, so he probably won't earn a lot of time as a blocker, but if he's in an offense like the Chiefs that wants a pass, wants pass pro from its receiver, then Gibbs is going to have to clean some things up or he, um, he's going to be tipping off his intentions too much or getting bullied quickly. So I want to see how he how he adjusts to pass pro in the NFL. That's going to be a big question of mine. Jaleel McLaughlin of Youngstown State. Listen, when you all look at Jameer Gibbs as a runner, not as a pass pr protector, not as overall game, but just as a runner, I think many of you all are actually seeing what's on tape with um, you know, you're looking at Gibbs and thinking what you see, you know, you're looking at him and you're projecting like out, you know, things about him that may not be the case. I think McLaughlin might be the guy you're thinking about. You know, I'm, how would I put this? Let's just put it this way. McLaughlin, I think is a more explosive version of Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think he might be one of the most explosive backs in his class. Um, I just don't know if he can hold up at 183 pounds or whether he can get bigger. Um, you know, maybe the question I should revise is when you all look at Kenneth Gainwell as a runner, do you imagine what's actually there with, um, with Jaleel McLaughlin? That might be the question there. Um, Jartavius Whitlow. I just don't know if he's still playing football right now. Is he still playing at Western Illinois? I've had him in the RSP for the past two years. And occasionally I'll have players that I forgot didn't come out um, yet. And I had them a year early and two years in a row I put Whitlow in. This is going to be the third and final time. I don't know what's going on with Whitlow. Um, I've tried to look for any news on him. haven't been able to find much. Um, Jordan Mims of Fresno State. Um I wonder if his pad level is going to prevent him from contributing on an offense if he makes a roster in the first place. I think he can be too top-heavy with dropping his pads. I think he overextends his frame past his hips and knees, and that leads him to lose balance before or just after head-on contact with an opponent. And I think this prevents him from keeping his balance to move his legs after contact. Um, I also think he loses balance with minor contact that he should work through or he loses balance with no contact at all because of that top-heavy alignment when he prepares to finish. Um, now, if he's hit high while his pad level's still high, he keeps his feet, and he can generate a push against linebackers and safeties. But the top-heavy pad level with that overextension of his frame, it leads to lost opportunities against direct hits. And even when Mims has downhill momentum into the collision, because he's top-heavy, he just goes down. He sinks like a stone. Um and so, you know, he needs to he needs to improve that because there's a lot of other nice skills with him as a receiver. He's got some burst, you know. He's he he can be physical, but when you when your pad level is not not um, technically sound, it can really limit you. Keaton Mitchell 
Keaton Mitchell out of ECU. Small dude. Hits creases decisively when working downhill behind a lead blocker. I think he works from one shoulder of the lead blocker to the other as a way to press creases and finish with you know that nice hug of the block. Um, but when he runs downhill, he has, he has routine lapses for the past couple of years where he just doesn't press his blocks deep enough. And this happens on zone and gap plays in situations where he can press. And he just doesn't get tight enough. And when running gap plays, he's way too quick to attack the outside shoulder on power. And that often eliminates his potential to cut runs back and get downhill early enough when there's a crease. And I think this is likely due to his size and explosion. He just hasn't focused on how artfully to work inside on runs where he's been encouraged to win with his acceleration and speed. It's worked well in high school and college, but he's going to be facing more patient defenders who are more disciplined. And if he doesn't learn to press some of these blocks better, he's going to have more trouble between the tackles. Now, once he's in space, he'll press his lead blocker against the defender um, and he'll set up the, the bouncer cutback. Um, so, you know, he's dynamic with his moves, but, you know, at the same time, you know, Barry Sanders is dynamic with his moves, but he could do it against, you know, loaded boxes. Um, Mitchell isn't doing this against loaded boxes. He's doing it in spread offenses. It's impressive still, even against SEC defenses that I've seen him do it against. But the conditions don't really project for him to have success doing these types of things in the NFL unless you see him doing a lot more in traffic. And I think that he needs, you know, he's not as dynamic with transitional changes of direction um, that he needs to be. Kendra Miller out of TCU. Reminds me of Lamar Miller, the former Miami back who played with the Dolphins and the Texans. He's a smooth runner. He has power and vision. He does everything well enough to be a starter and has the potential to become even better um, than he was at TCU. I think his pad level um, when running slower developing blocking concepts needs to be a little more consistent. He can get kind of suckered into his pads staying too high. Um, but, you know, the other thing about him is that he he's actually he looks like he could be faster than he really is. He has that smooth gait. Is he kind of like Robert Smith where he glides or Eddie George where he glides and is actually faster than he than he looks? Because I've seen him hold off defensive backs 30 to 40 yards once he gets to the secondary, and that can lead to gains of 50 to 75 yards. So I want to see how explosive Kendra Miller really is. Georgia has Kenny McIntosh, who will be touted as probably a part of a rich tradition of bulldog backs, and he certainly earned that as a collegiate. Um, but if you group all the Georgia running back alumni based on the one baseline criteria, not of how good they were at Georgia, but how they good were they were in the NFL, McIntosh will belong. I bet he'll belong as an NFL caliber back. But if you're thinking that he's an instant starter impact player in an offense as a rookie along the lines of a Terrell Davis or a Robert Edwards or um, a Nick Chubb or, you know, players like that, I think it's going to be a stretch. Um, the size, the acceleration, the decision-making, the contributing to gap-heavy schemer there, gap-heavy run schemer there. Um, I just don't know if the blocking, receiving skills, um, those are going to make him reliable but i don't know if he has a high-end craft as a decision maker um and with zone runs i don't think it's there yet um 
So with gap plays, he's going to have to be a gap player. Fortunately, he's under a league that's doing more of that. But I wonder if he lacks the top end speed or acceleration. And I'm that's the biggest question I have with him is I wouldn't be surprised if he disappoints in the 40 and the 20 shuttle. I think he's explosive enough to play in the league. I just don't know if he's explosive enough to be a Tony Pollard in the league, if you know what I mean, like a lead back along those lines. Um, so is he more of a specialist? We're going to find out. I think the first step is seeing how explosive he is. Kalan Laybourne. This was a former five-star prospect at Marshall and an Under Armour All-American um, game MVP. He began his career at FSU, but he didn't earn more than 66 snaps in 2018 and 2019 and then he was disciplined for disciplinary reasons in 2020 he had knee surgery in 2019 he was suspended in 2019 due to team rules he had a knee injury that needed surgery in 2018 after dislocating the knee in september of that year and oh yeah he was charged with misdemeanor marijuana possession of less than 20 grams in 2018 as well so he's had quite a career away from the field um, but on the field, he's shifty. He's got good moves, wide selection of movements that are really fun to watch. He combines his moves really well. He's refined in that way. I just don't think he's all that explosive. Not as explosive as he was touted in high school. I think he was. He might be one of the big question is was he one of those guys that was got his man body in high school and therefore got those five stars on the help of having the man body when everybody else that still had the boy body. And now everyone's caught up and surpassed him? Or did, did he lose some of this due to injury and suspension and lack of work? Can he get it back? I'm looking forward to seeing his workouts to compare his tape. Ladarius Jefferson. Now, he was suspended indefinitely in late October of 2022. He was a state champion quarterback at Kalamazoo. He was at Michigan State as a freshman um, and sophomore. But his game's really inconsistent. I've just wondered if his best is better than what I've seen on tape because, and whether he can figure out how to sustain it. Because I, I see moments where the short area change of direction quickness is good. Sometimes it seems really lacking. He has lapses with reading leverage, lapses with timing his open field moves, lapses with his feet when he takes a substantial hit. Um, his feet go dead on contact. His pad level seems inconsistent from game to game. But he's big and strong. Um, you know, he can win collisions. He can be aggressive. Um, so I don't know where Ladarius Jefferson is at. I don't know if he knows where he's at. If he figures that out and really figures it out, maybe maybe we'll be surprised by him. Um, Lou Nichols out of, um, where is Lou Nichols? Central Michigan. Lou, Lou Nichols, listen. If he can improve his pre-snap diagnosis of box counts so that he can find the easy solutions pre-snap, um, that could be a big thing for him. I think he has enough acceleration to beat um, angles of some safeties when he bends runs inside. Um, but And he has some acceleration out of his cuts. Um, but I just wonder if his, if his um, explosion will translate enough for the NFL for him to be more than a reserve. Um, Muhammad Ibrahim, same type of thing. Does he? How good is his short area quickness, his acceleration and his speed? Is it enough to be a Rudy Johnson-like runner? I have real doubts about that. With Lou Nichols, I don't have as many doubts. With Muhammad Ibrahim, I have more doubts. Nathaniel Pete, I, I, I wonder if he can beat linebackers to the outside 
often enough in the NFL? Can he transition fast enough downhill when he gets to the perimeter? Because right now, between the tackles, he's competent. He's got some budding skills as a receiver. Former Stanford player who played at Missouri. You know, um, there's some interesting things about him, about for the potential for him to make a team. Now, William and Mary has an, an intriguing guy. Percy Agaye Obise. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I may have mangled it. And if I did, I apologize to those of you who are William and Mary alums um, or know Percy Agaye Obise. He can get skinny through creases. He presses with enough discipline for the college game. I just wonder if he can do it a little bit tighter for the NFL because he needs to get within a step a lot of times. He has some heel clicks when he changes direction that can lead to some balance issues while he makes cuts. I also don't think he gets his feet up high enough through tight creases to avoid tripping over his own blockers. I've seen some multiple issues with that in some games. I do like his physicality. I like his burst. He has some really odd decisions against pressure as a pass protector. I've seen him in the couple times just inexplicably slide away from pressure that was in his face as if he didn't even see it or as if he saw it and just turned away you know like you could have looked at it and said did he take did he take money from a gambler to like give up a sack i mean he didn't okay i'm not saying he did but it, you could look at it and you'd have to you could create fictional things like that to wonder how why that happened and what might have happened is that he just had a weird he didn't maybe he just didn't see them but it was so close it was very hard to imagine how he couldn't have seen them um more important than these two instances that i saw is he has to learn not to overextend as a blocker he's a very physical and violent player with a contributor's build for the nfl and athletic ability it's just whether he can refine some of these skills to develop into one one of the guys who was a backup for most of his career but I just I'm really intrigued by him as Texans Texas Rashawn Johnson backing up, you know, Bijan Robinson. He was once compared to Kellen Mond as a high school quarterback. And he was recruited as a quarterback to Texas. Um, but the Longhorns switched him to running back during the Tom Herman regime. Um now if he's drafted late, I think Rashawn Johnson's gonna thrive on special teams. He can block. Um, his experience as a quarterback makes him a worthwhile read option quarterback for specialty plays in the red zone, kind of a Taysom Hill kind of situation there. But I think he's a lot more than that. He's a lot more running back if he were to be played as a Taysom Hill guy than Taysom Hill is a tight end. I'll put it to you that way. The question that I have is whether Johnson can refine some of the smaller issues with his game and become an NFL starter. No, not an NFL contributor, an NFL starter. Because I think there's legit reasons to ask that question. Unless I've missed something with his athletic ability, I think Johnson's going to be higher on my board than some players who are more heralded. So Roderick Thompson out of, um, not SMU, Texas Tech, out of Texas Tech. He's a well-built runner, about 220, six feet. Finds cutbacks well, gets skinny through creases. Um, could be a really worthwhile gap runner in the NFL if his acceleration and quickness match up well in workouts and the tape. I want to see more of his contact balance. I want to see more about his acceleration and quickness. But I'm intrigued by him because he can catch. He's got some acceleration. Um, you know, he's a bigger back. He's a or a well well built back. Maybe not a bigger back for the NFL. Well built back. 
Sean Tucker of Syracuse, listen, he's, I want to know if he can mature as a perimeter runner and take the early crease inside rather than bouncing toward unfavorable leverage as often as he does. I also think he makes immature decisions at the second level. He, he rushes um, off in a direction where he could have pressed longer towards the safety. Oftentimes he gets through a crease. He's at the second level. There's a safety, you know, deep in the second level or in the third level. And he sees the safety. And instead of pressing towards that safety and maintaining his lane where he has the lane to, to continue to gain yardage and then dip and cut and be able to manipulate that safety a little more, he veers all away from the safety way too soon. And he gives players a lot um, easier opportunities to pursue and chase him down. Um, so that's, that's the bigger question I have with him is it whether he can become more patient and in both the perimeter game and at the second level, because he has the speed to, to really be a game breaker, but I don't know if his decision-making supports a lot of that. Sometimes it does, but it's usually when he's at the boundary he was in the middle of the field. That's where I feel like the best backs win in the middle of the field, not just up the sideline. They, they begin in the middle of the field, manipulate their way to the sideline, and then they're gone. Tucker oftentimes I feel like wins when he's in the, at the sideline more than he is in the middle of the field. Sean Shivers, former Auburn recruit um, who is at Indiana this year. He was a four-star recruit. He was on Alabama's track team. He was considered one of the fastest backs in the 2018 um, class. Now, I didn't see that on film. I saw linebackers recover to beat him. I saw safeties catch up to him after they were nearly making U-turns to chase him down after they had like taken bad angles. I just wonder if he's explosive enough in the short area to do more than what that 5'7", 179-pound frame, at least that's what it's listed to be, may indicate. So, you know, don't know if he's anything more than a than a role player at best. So I want to see how explosive he is to determine that. Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Listen, um, I remember Dan Hatman telling me a couple years ago, I think you're going to like Tank Bigsby. I think it's because I like Spencer Ware and he Bigsby was a physical player. I think Bigsby looks more explosive in 2022 than he did last year. I think the stop-star quickness is better. I think the acceleration is better. But I wonder how good the acceleration is. Because if he doesn't test well in his 20 shuttle, I I think his draft capital has a chance to sink. Um, and I wonder if he can maintain discipline and not try to bounce plays outside that aren't really worth the risk. Those are two things that I have questions about. One of them may get answered more at the combine or help. Tavian Thomas out of Utah. This was a former Cincinnati back. I think he was homeless for a little while. He was a guy that I thought came out last year. Turned out that he didn't. So I got to watch a few more games of him this year. He's a one-cut downhill runner. Quicker feet than credited. Strength to push piles, break tackles. He runs through defensive backs. Runs through off-ball linebackers. He's got the acceleration and speed to do damage in the secondary if he earns the runway to access these athletic skills. He's rarely used in the passing game. And that's the biggest question. He's, is he, you know, he's a willing hitter as a blocker. He shows quickness in and out of breaks. If he can prove a quick study and advance his knowledge in all facets of the passing game, you know, route running, you know, positioning himself, catching the football with good technique, 
he has enough rushing skills to become a productive power back, maybe as part of a one-two committee punch with a scat back. Um, he's worth keeping tabs on for this reason alone. I think he's probably more of a backup, but um, you know, there's enough skill there, especially with how the NFL's playing with gap schemes right now that a lot of guys who I might have you know, contributor grades might turn out to be okay in certain gap schemes. Tyon or Tion Evans, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's the Tennessee back formerly out of Louisville, who's um or is the other way around. He's with Louisville. He was he transferred from Tennessee. He's patient, he's agile, he's creative, he has good speed for his build. If he can learn not to tip off cutbacks, I think he could become more than a useful reserve. So if if he can approach cutbacks better, might have a surprising back here um, on this list. Maybe the most surprising back to me, and I'm looking forward to watching more, is Toa Tawa. I think that's how you pronounce it. Toa Tawa, um, who is out of Nevada. Tawa has footwork, acceleration, and power to become a contributor in the NFL backfield. At least that's what I think. I want to see the acceleration um, test out. I think he's a mature decision maker. He has good agility at the edge of the box. If the short area explosion matches up between the testing and the film, and I can kind of see the logic between both, and I have more clarity about it, I think he could be one of the most surprising options in this class. Travis Dye, former Oregon back with USC. Now, he won't attack flat-footed defensive backs in his sights when he has down-home momentum through an open crease. Instead, he's, he tries to spin or give up his momentum-generated power. And I think this unwillingness to attack downhill against defenders at his size or smaller is a concern. And it's an underlying issue um, with his game, unless there's a shoulder injury that he's been babying. So I want to see hear about medicals. Was there a shoulder issue? Was, there, was he playing hurt? And something was impacting why he wouldn't drop his pads? Or is it just a bad habit? I think he needs to refine everything he can to make an NFL roster um, as it stands. But the big question for me is pad level and willingness to, to, to finish. Traylon Smith, former Arkansas back with um, Texas San Antonio, I'm wondering if he can be more than a return specialist in the NFL. He has to cultivate more patience as a runner. His size, not quite there. He does have some acceleration. I think there's some things he can do to be a contributor on a team. But, you know, are we talking more Taiwan Smith type of player who's more of just strictly a special teamer? Or can he be a scat back? Tucker Gregg of Georgia State. Now, I think if he has trouble getting through creases without linebackers chasing him down out here in Atlanta, I'm wondering if he's going to be even worse being able to do that in the NFL where maybe defensive tackles can chase him down before he can even get through the hole. I think he's physical and agile for the college game, um, and I think he can become a little more efficient in traffic um, where he's relied on dynamic movements that worked in, in college but may not the NFL because I just don't think he has the reacceleration speed to do so. Tajay Spears. My only question about Tajay Spears, will NFL team, I, I want to know which NFL team 
is going to get charged with larceny within 24 months after the 2023 draft for taking Tajay Spears. Because somebody's going to get charged with larceny. Zazavian Valade, pad level and size. Those are the two big things for me. If he can deliver like he does now at maybe 215 pounds rather than 200, rather than 200 pounds, and he can do it with better pad level, maybe he could be a contributor. Um, I think he's a versatile and smooth runner. A lot of technical and athletic details that could make him a Sunday contributor. Um, if he doesn't make it in this league, I think he could make it in the CFL. I think he could be a good player in the CFL. He might even be a better fit there due to his pass receiving and what he does in space. Um, Zach Charbonnet. The only question I have with him is, am I going to be keeping my current comparison to him as an Arian Foster starter kit after seeing his combine metrics? Because I think that he may be a slow back with good quickness, good enough um, acceleration, definitely powerful enough, good feet, has improved his game. And we end with Zach Evans. TCU, now at Ole Miss. Didn't have much of a season at Ole Miss due to uh, injury, I believe. And really the um, the addition of Quinshawn Judkins. But on the field, Zach Evans, he's arguably as good, if not a little better, in many facets of running the football than the very first back I mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. But here's the thing. His recruiting saga and the reported run-ins with coaches could just be smoke, okay? Just could be smoke. Now, that it could be smoke in a controlled setting that yields something really tasty. And when I think of something tasty as a running back, I'm thinking Clinton Portis. That's who I think Zach Evans could be. Like, career peak Clinton Portis. He has those kinds of skills. But it could also be smoke that isn't controlled and potentially destructive. So if Zach Evans proves as mature off the field as I think he often displays on it, he could make an argument that he's the best back in this class. Yeah. So think about that a little bit. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, you can get the Rookie Scouting Portfolio on April 1st, but you can pre-order it right now at mountwaldman.com. You get a pre-draft, post-draft, get a newsletter. Post-draft, ADP tracking from multiple leagues, updated rankings and tiered cheat sheets that give you sweet spot value. So say Zach Evans sinks like a stone because he does have off-field issues um, or he doesn't have a great combine. And I look at him and I still have him ranked as one of my top three to four running backs in this class. Um, Just like I did with guys like, you know, Mahomes, Jackson, Chubb, guys like that. Well, you know, when ADP sinks on this guy and you can get him in the late second round, like you could some of the other guys I mentioned, and you can and you can still get him at value there and get an extra pick and know you're going to be able to land him because I've done the research, you can get that in the post-draft RSP. Get a monthly newsletter with scouting reports of current and future prospects. You get depth chart analysis incorporates which veterans have certain number of years left on their deals and my analysis of where they fit. Um, you know, all in the post-draft guide, I re-rank the players. Pre-draft guide gives you the chance to really dive into their talent and see all the details that will help you so that when everyone throws the rankings out the window because the rankings have, you know, 
have aged, you can go and look back at the meat of a scouting report and say, you know, this guy, you know, this Raheem Mostert, I didn't get to see study Mostert, but I'm going to give him as an example. Or Spencer Ware. So the Spencer Ware guy, Matt Waldman rated him pretty well, really had a really had a strong, you know, evaluation of him as a power runner who could catch well, who was a good blocker, all-around good player, just didn't have top-end speed. He's getting an opportunity in Kansas City. You know what? This guy could help me win a championship this year as a plug-in starter down the stretch. That's where the RSP becomes valuable for redraft leagues, not just dynasty leagues. Or in dynasty leagues where you can get a guy like Ware at absolutely no cost. And then be if you want to leverage him for a trade and sell him at his peak, or you want to ride him until you know, the wheels fall off, you know, even if it's a short period of time, it can make a big difference. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you soon, or you'll hear from me soon um, with another podcast coming out down the way.